Hello and welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast. Just a massive thank you before we start to however you are listening to this. We really do appreciate it. Just a reminder that we put this podcast out three times a week, but we don't always know which days it's going to be on. So the only way to keep your finger on the pulse and listen is to subscribe, get notifications. Why not drop us a review while you're there? Okay, that's enough of that. Let's talk some rugby. I'm Ben James and I'm joined by Welsh rugby legend and the podcast legend now, Tom Shanklin. How are you doing, Tom? Yeah, good. I'm not, I'm not sure about Welsh rugby legend, but <laughs> I'm certainly a podcast legend now, that's for sure. You getting recognised more now for your voice than for your, for your playing days? Yeah. Um, when I speak to people now, they just want to close their eyes. They don't want to see me. They just want to hear me. Um, it's a little bit unnerving, but you, you get used to it, mate. It comes with fame. It comes fl- with fame. Flat, flat is the looks then, is he? Um, yeah, uh, which doesn't say much really though, does it? If he's the looks. Um, so yeah, but look, the, the podcast seems to be going pretty well. I can't complain. Yeah, we'll get a little bit more into that later, but um, I suppose there's only sort of one place to start at the minute and that's uh, Japan. Two from two now for Wales, that win over Australia. What were your general thoughts on that? I was really nervous before the start of that game um, and I wasn't sure... You know, if we look at the history of Wales, Australia, especially, say, over the last 11 years, um, we've only won once. Um, you know, we lost four years ago in the in the World Cup in England. So I was nervous. I just thought that if Wales can if Wales could win this, there is no reason why they cannot go to the latter stages. That, you know, we're talking semi-finals, final of the 2019 Rugby World Cup and it was just, it was an unbelievable game it was a game that I think two or three years ago they potentially would have lost but the character they showed towards the end of that game what I mean by character is just it's just the never give up attitude you no know, heads didn't go down every single ruck they were hit and they were fighting for everything on the ground the subs made a huge impact when they came off the bench um, just key instances we won in that game a key instance Thomas Williams leaping to stop that kick from Tamua from going out, which was a great kick by Tamua, but an even better leap from stopping that going into touch. Owen Watkins ripping two balls and then Liam Williams stealing the ball at the end. It was like a bit like the stars were aligned for us in that game because things went very well. It's great, great quotes from Liam, wasn't it, after as well, you know, saying uh, Sean Edwards basically told him not to go looking for turnovers, but when the game's on the line, he, he could see the win there, couldn't he? Yeah, it was a, it was a great quote and you know, it's something. It's exactly like him, really, isn't it? You know, when when the ball's there and I can, I get a chance to win it for Wales. I'll go and do it <laughs> because, yeah, you know, Sean wants him. He's the last line of defence, isn't he? he? Doesn't want him anywhere around that, which is, which is probably true. But you know, on the on the flip side, he's so good over the ball and stole it for Wales at the end. There, it was a it was a brilliant game, um, unbearable to watch at some stages because you knew the onslaught and the, the wave of attack would come from Australia and we weathered it so well because that's the thing it was to use the cliche it was like the ultimate game of two halves wasn't it you know 23-8 up at half time and were you expecting such a sort of dominant first half you know Wales played with a lot of width in that first half and looked really good for it yeah they're going to have to play with width if that's the team they're going to pick you know there's no we don't have the luxury of, of having you know a big ball carrier like Falatau. We've got a very mobile back row, and you know there's no point trying to take teams on physically with that back row. You know there's no point keeping it short because they're 
they're not the biggest of guys. They're big, but you know, you're not talking like Vinopolas or anything like that. You know, they're mobile, um, with very fit, very skillful, and we saw that in the first half with the width and you know, little things. Um, you know, like little hands from Tipperick down the left to Josh Adams. You know, it was everything sort of went well for for Wales that day. Um, but you know, we we played very well as well. You know, we took. We took our opportunities when we had them, which doesn't isn't always the case with Wales. You look at that penalty advantage and the kick from Dan Bigger, which was absolutely perfect and did exactly what it needed to be done. It turned uh, Corbetti, and you know those that kick is exactly what you want to do. You want to turn a winger so he loses the ball in the air. Parks, who's not renowned for his aerial skills, snatches it. You know, obviously been working hugely on that, and and then. To top it off, you know, 10, 12 minutes later, Gareth Davis gets an intercept. Um, and, you know, those two tries in, in short succession, you know, essentially, effectively won us the game. Because that, that's something that Gareth Davis just works on, isn't it? I think you look in Test Rugby, it's probably only Faf de Klerk who's got more freedom in defence to sort of defend where and how he wants. Like, Gareth Davis and Sean Edwards have just stumbled on something brilliant there, haven't they? Yeah, they have. Um, properly done their homework, mind, as well. You know, there's no... That's not just by fluke. He's got in that position, you know, two or three defenders out wide. Uh, you know, they know Genia is going to take a couple of steps past him because it is such a long pass Genia wants to hit. Uh, and, you know, you do have to be sharp as well. Gareth Davis is unbelievably sharp, sharp off the mark. But also, you know, he's got the pure pace as well. You know, he's got the top-end pace to finish tries off. Nearly had another one in the, in the second half as well. Um, the ball I think he dropped the ball didn't he Um, didn't quite stick but it's such a weapon to have uh, you know especially you know teams that want to hit big runners off nine because he can get off the mark you know there's a lot of people saying oh he's offside he plays the game offside there's no way he's offside you slow that down hands on the ball Genia Gareth Davis onside and finishes it off so you know those two tries were obviously important but that is the game was won in the first half of Wales yeah, I think Genia takes about three steps doesn't he um, another another thing that we saw on Sunday was sort of the return of drop goals we had started both halves with a, with a drop goal um, it's not something we see too often they just seem to sort of come out for World Cups um, yeah. do you think that could be a, is that potentially a Stephen Jones sort of influence coming through there I don't think so um, I just think it's that's a decision you make on the field um, you know I thought they they were perfect as well um, you know sometimes people take drop kicks and you think why you know why don't you just kick the ball but nothing was on um, they were in good positions Dan Bigger just slots over straight away three points on the board that you know there's no penalty advantage you just got back in the pocket very well timed and the thing about drop kicks is you know you don't want to you don't want to show teams that you're doing them because you know once you get into position, teams know that you're going to drop kick. That's when the pressure comes. But you watch Dan and Reese Patchell, they just slowly move back behind the ruck. Communications there with scrum half guard Davis and, and slots and men. And also, I think Reese Patchell, I think we have to touch upon him and the impact he had when he came off the bench because, you know, he has struggled with confidence. We saw him a couple of years ago, uh, a game against Scotland where he was just unplayable. And then, you know, he went to England and, you know, we we know that wasn't his best game. But for him to come back um, from his concussion as well in the Rugby World Cup warm games probably wouldn't have been in this World Cup squad had it not been for Gareth Anscombe. But the temperament composure that he showed, the maturity he showed when he came off the bench to, to steer, wheel, steer Wales, 
into that victory, I thought it was remarkable. Yeah, it was a great, great picture of him sort of sat um, down on halfway sort of after the match, just after everyone else had gone, which is just a brilliant picture. Um, he was also sort of uh, an unwelcome part of one of the big talking points, which was the Samu Karevi carry, which resulted in a penalty uh, mm. to Wales. Um, it's it's garnered a lot of sort of controversy and it's still dominating headlines now, two days after the match. W- what were your th- thoughts on that? Uh, well, my thoughts are that World Rugby are, are trying to stop that position that uh, Reese Patrick got himself in. You know, they're trying to stop an upright defender tackling an upright attacker. So that's what they're trying to stamp out. Uh, it, it happens, but that is when you've got a, two upright players run into each other, that's where the head uh, contact comes. Um, I didn't see anything wrong with the way that Karevi takes that ball into contact. Um, he's not leading with the elbows. He's ho- holding the ball out in front of him. Uh, the only issue I can see is how he pushes Reese Patchell away and there is connection with his throat. Now, you can often see from a player's reaction uh, whether they think it's a penalty or not. You know, you, you look at the Welsh players, no one really reacts to it. Um, Reese Patchell gets himself back up on his feet. So, you know, you look at that and you think, wow, oh, that is maybe maybe slightly harsh for Australia but then you know on the flip side you know Hooper's tackle on Dan Bigger it should have been a yellow card so you know it's it swings and roundabouts really but in terms of of that carry I thought Samu Karevi was well in his right to carry like that um, possibly should look at maybe that arm movement upwards into the into the throat but Reese Patchell cannot tackle like that. You know, you're going to get yourself hurt. You're going to hurt other players because that's what we're trying to get away from in rugby. Is is the problem that if you carry into a tackle like that, two out of three scenarios are going to result in a penalty because obviously the one that happened was Patchell's gone high. Karevi's in the letter of the law was led with a forearm penalty to Wales. If Karevi doesn't use the forearm, it's probably a penalty to Australia because Patchell's it's going to be head on head contact. The only sort of scenario where it doesn't happen is, is Karevi probably managed to get an outstretched hand. That's probably the yeah, only scenario well, where you don't see a penalty, isn't it? First off, I don't believe that's not an illegal carry, how he takes into contact. You're allowed to carry like that. There, there is nothing stopping a player holding the ball with two hands running into contact. It's just that after initial hit where the, where the arm moves up. That is the issue. If you stop people carrying like that into contact, then it's no longer rugby because you're holding the ball in front of you your elbows aren't high, you're, you're cradling the ball, you're protecting yourself. You, that is, that's a legal carry. It's just that movement after where the arm comes up, I think. Um, and that's where, where he's got penalised. That's where he ha- you have to be careful. Um, but, yeah, uh, you know, you can also see why Reese Patcher went high because, you know, a month ago, uh, he went low against CJ Stander, sat back in the tackle and got bowled over and, you know, had an HIA. So, it's difficult. It's, you know, Sean Edwards has to work hard with him to get his tackle technique right because at the moment it's not. We saw something similar with Dan Bigger, didn't we? That's why he went off with a HAA, I suppose. Perhaps the pleasing thing is we haven't really seen too you know, When sort of Lee Halfpenny's made those sort of tackles, you know, head on the wrong side, try, try saving tackles like he did at Twickenham, was it five, six years ago? It was yep. sort of glorified. At least we haven't sort of seen that with Dan Bigger. I think people are sort of accepting that while Dan Bigger did make a sort of an important tackle his technique was all wrong. 
Yeah, it it is, but also sometimes you don't have time to think about yeah. right where should my hair go. Sometimes head go. Sometimes you just see a man and you think right, I've got to hit him hard. This is a big guy, and I have to give everything I've got to get him into touch or to dislodge the ball. And and Dan does that, and that, that, he gets his head on the wrong side, so that's where he's got um, an HIA. But some you, you know sometimes it's just instinctive. You know you see a play, you think right, I'm going to have to hit that player hard to stop him. Um, to stop the momentum Dan's done that hasn't really thought about it gets his, his head in the wrong way and that's where he's at an HIA but you know you can't fault the guy for effort can you uh, and I suppose the good thing is it's looking like he's not really suffering any symptoms from it so all things yeah, well, look, he should be back for Fiji which is which is massive yeah, isn't it yeah huge um, you know you, you saw him on the bench he seemed he seemed with it you know he was cheering the team on I'm sure they wouldn't have let him out on the pitch um, had he not been right you know, I, I don't quite know the levels of of how they test HR. I think it's it's pretty severe. You know, the the tests they do, and you know, with adrenaline pumping through your body, you know, I'm not sure how difficult it is or hard it is to fail a test or, or pass a test. But he seemed all right, which is really good news. Um, we need him back. There's a nine day turnaround, which is excellent for Wales. This is a big game coming up against Fiji. We know what's gone on in the past against them. Um, so it's nice to have that that break, and then you know this was the this was the big game. You know the rest of the fixtures really helped Wales um, in terms of getting themselves fresh for a quarter final. So I suppose this is the game that Wales been building up for you know since the draw came out two years ago. So the nine day turnaround for them it, it, it is now a, a real chance to sort of reset mentally because the last thing you want is another game sort of quick turnaround after you. You know, you're probably mentally and physically exhausted. Well, that's what we saw with Fiji. Um, you know, Fiji had a great start against Australia, and then had a short turnaround against Uruguay, and Uruguay beat them. So, yeah, um, the Australia game, Wales it was everything for Wales. You know, they they beat, they get through that game. They're, they're going to finish top of that group. They finish top of that group. You know, they're going to have an easier quarter final, and you miss New Zealand all the way to the final. And if if you are going to beat New Zealand. If any team is going to beat New Zealand, you want them in a final where the pressure is on and you stand a chance. Absolutely. Um, we, we saw in the first game sort of how Fiji made... Australia fell into the traps against Fiji. You know, they started taking quick line-outs near their own line. Do we see Wales doing that? Or, or, or is it going to be just clever kicking, you know, set up, set up malls and scrums, which Fiji have struggled with, and, and just, you know, keep it sort of tight? Yeah, I, I think if you are going to beat them, um, you know, you rely on set piece, you rely on your line, you keep things simple, you kick on your own terms. You know, you you can't be kicking um, under severe pressure when you haven't got your your kick chase line set up because that is when Fiji will have a field day against you. So uh, you don't want to get into a loose battle with Fiji, but also you know you do want to you do want to stretch them physically as well. You know that you want to you want to test them physically. You want to tire them out. Um, so sometimes it is good keeping the ball in play because you know there's no doubt they're massive units, aren't they? Um, and they can't be as fit as a team like Wales. I sh- I know every team is fit, but I cannot see how they would be fitter than a team like Wales. So yeah, um, it's that it's that balance of keeping the game with tempo, but also making sure that you know you you take all their momentum away with a good lineup, with a good scrum. Um, but yeah, what you got with Fiji is just quality individuals. 
there's some real talent in that Fiji side. Um, they'll be physical, but you, you can't give them any space. You can't kick Lucy to them. You've got to be careful with turnover ball with them because they will just, they'll cut you apart. And looking away from Pool D, what have you made of the uh, the tournament as a whole? We're pretty much nearly halfway through the uh, the pool stages now. Who's impressed you and maybe who hasn't? Uh, I would say Scotland didn't impress me in the first game, uh, but they've clawed it back against Samoa. You know, Japan have been really impressive. Uh, I thought it was a great win for Uruguay against Fiji. You know, these these smaller teams, you know, getting the scalps of, of bigger nations. Um, but yeah, look, if I had to pick one team, it'd be Japan. Two from two. They beat Ireland, who are ranked number one in the world. They didn't look like losing that game either. You know, the, the way they went about the game, the way they approached it, the way they, they saw the game out. Well, you think 50 minutes ago, you know, Ireland has got plenty of time. You know, Ireland will slowly break them, but they didn't. They looked really fit. Um, there's some quality players there in the uh, in the um, Japanese team. You know, you look at Leach, you look at the um, the hooker, uh, what was his name? Oh, I've forgotten his name now. It's gone from my head as well. Yeah, Hori. That's it. Um, you know, Matsushima. There is, there is a lot of talent in that team. But it's just now the big question for Japan is right: Can they back it up in two games' time? They've got Russia, then they've got a, a break until Scotland. So that's the big test for Japan. But that pool now, we all looked at that the England pool, didn't we? England, France, Argentina. But the Jap- uh, the Japanese, Scottish, and Irish pool, I think, is is the one to be looking out for now because, you know, someone's going to go home early and it looks like it's going to be possibly Scotland. Yeah, the, like, look, looking ahead from that uh, Ireland-Japan game, I, I assume that Ireland would have, sort of have too much power to, to sort of just choke Japan and Japan would probably trouble Scotland more just because of the way they like to keep the ball in play, you know, you know, 50 minutes sort of ball in time, you know, that sort of thing. They try outrun Scotland, but... I was just amazed at sort of how they they physically matched Ireland and, and made them look sort of ponderous with ball ball in hand. Yeah, they looked. You know, Ireland didn't look like they had anything behind the scrum in that second half. Um, uh, Joey Carberry comes on, slices a kick into into touch um, just when Ireland gets some a penalty and they're able to get a bit of field position. That ball just goes sideways. Um, they looked a little bit clueless behind. Um, you know. That's what uh, the Japanese were so good at in that second half was they weren't really they were, they were hitting and they were being physical but they weren't really committing any numbers to ruck. So when Ireland had the ball, they looked up all they had was red and white in front of them. And you know Japan were just they defensively they were they were sound. They there were no holes out there. Ireland weren't really using any decoy runners. It was one up runners and you know against good teams now which Japan are you have to change the pitch. You have to make them think. You have to try and create space. Otherwise, they are just going to tackle you back. And um, there are some quality players in that Japanese t- uh, team. You know, Tamura kicked really well um, under pressure as well. He would never been in that situation before against a world-ranked number one team. Nailed his kicks. Um, you know, all of a sudden, then they're right back down in the um, in the Irish half with a hack ahead. But I was surprised by Ireland. I was. I, I thought they'd be far more clinical than that. Um, after such a good performance against Scotland, I, I expected a lot more. And whether that was down to Sexton not playing, um, it looks like that that probably was the key. 
and if Japan now do win the group island come second it it makes the quarterfinals on that side of the draw a lot more interesting because suddenly then you've got New Zealand against Ireland and South Africa against Japan and it's gone from being you know New Zealand probably facing Scotland Ireland against yeah. the box suddenly it's two games where the All Blacks and the Springboks have a few sort of mental hang-ups in those games don't they? Well, both have lost, haven't they? Yeah. To, um, New Zealand lost to Ireland, South Africa to Japan. So, yeah, it really heats up that pool. But, you know, it's Japan. This is a big test for them, isn't it? Scotland, um, a big test for Scotland. But it's going to come down to bonus points, I think, uh, in that group because potentially they could have all lost one game. And then it, then it comes down to bonus points. And then if Japan and Scotland are on the same amount of bonus points, it's the head-to-head, so Japan go through. But... You know, there's a fair bit of rugby to be played before then, but it's a very exciting group. And then a f- final thing on on the World Cup. Um, obviously, Wales now looking like they're going to go uh, through as Pool D winners. What do we see happening in Pool C, and who who will face in the court final? Uh, I can see Wales facing France in the quarterfinals. I think England will top that group. And they'll end up playing Australia, which is going to be a huge game. Um, and I think Wales will play France. So I think it's, it's such a good confidence booster from Wales being Australia. I really do. Because we Wales being France plenty of times. Wales, are, I think England's the, the one to watch in that group because of the sheer strength and depth they've got um, with injuries. Um, if injuries happen, you know, they can just basically put in like for like. We possibly don't have that strength in Wales at the moment but you know if Wales finish top of the group which I'm sure they will they play France in a quarter final you've got to be fancy in Wales for that I'm Sam Warburton and you're listening to the Welsh Rugby Podcast Talk a little bit about uh, your podcasting career now obviously you and Flats have had uh, a podcast sometime he's out in Japan at the minute isn't he um eating Kobe yeah. beef and drinking sake and going out with Ollie Kuhn and all that while you're stuck back in Wales yes yes I know um, he's, he's out there with ITV for the full seven weeks I'm actually going out on Sunday so I'm looking forward to, to catching up with him but yeah he's already given me plenty of recommendations for places to eat uh, I mean if ever he wants to finish from rugby he'd make a very good food connoisseur well meat meat connoisseur should I say because the bloke never touches veg and you know it's quite evident to see he's, he's got a caveman diet that one um, but yeah he, look he's sampling some of the, the finest foods out there the, the Kobe beef uh, you know the the cows are fed beer and massaged daily bit like, bit, bit, actually, bit like which bit actually flat which actually sounds a lot like flats yeah uh so yeah looking forward to that i mean I, the whole place is going to be is going to be buzzing at the moment you know it, you just get excited after seeing that welsh win against australia you think you actually start taking i think right if they can do that there's there is no reason why they cannot get to a semi-final or a final stage and i'm very i'm very privileged um that i'm going out on sunday to be part of that you uh, you all set for the humidity? Yeah, I've been asking everyone what to, what to wear. Don't bring a jacket, apparently. Um, don't bring any blue shirts because you'll just sweat through them. So a lot of white, a lot of black, and plenty of shorts. So how, how long have you been doing the podcast with Flat? And how did, how did that first come about? Uh, we've been doing it for three years now. It just came about um, through our agent, Michelle Hogg. She just 
asked us both because we've been good mates for a while um you know we we played together at saracens so that's where the relationship started we lived together there and uh you know podcasts were three years ago not everyone had heard of them you know people thought podcasts were little video clips but you know it's now quite popular thing and we just thought we'd do it to keep in touch with uh rugby would see where it led to and you know, it seems to be going quite well. You know, ITV have picked us up through Six Nations and through Rugby World Cup. We do our own then uh, for the rest of the season. We've been doing it for three years now. Um, you know, it's, it's a it's a good way of just staying in touch with rugby as well. And I know Flash does a lot of commentary, so he will he would anyway. But for me, it just it just forces me to to know what's going on in the world of rugby. Has it also sort of brought you more opportunities in the world of rugby, maybe, you know, in terms of punditry and stuff like that as a knock-on? Yeah, possibly. It's probably um, enabled us to do a little bit more corporately. Uh, what I would say is I'm the brains behind it, all right? So I'm in, I'm in control of, of music, of editing, um, recording, the sound, um, the lot. I've got all the kit. I've had to upschool myself, went to the Apple Mac shop and got a, um, a tutorial in how to use GarageBand. So... Basically, without me, Flats is knackered. He just he just rocks up, does he, on his, on his motorbike and... He just, he rocks up in his Range Rover or his Triumph motorbike and that's it. There's no prep and gets straight into it whilst, you know, basically I'm the alpha in it, okay? <laughs> so all the five-star reviews, they're for you then? Yeah, well, it's, it's all down to me, basically. Um, if it was just left to Flats, we wouldn't do it we'd be doing it on our phone <laughs> we're not far off that here at the, at the podcast ourselves <laughs> amateurs oh I know so you're the you're the David Brent of the operation then yeah yeah singer songwriter <laughs> music comes music comes naturally <laughs> do, do you feel that like people see you differently now because obviously <sighs> as you know as a Welsh rugby international you just sort of seen playing in Cardiff on a, on a Saturday afternoon you know singing the anthem that's about it um, maybe the odd sort of sound bite on Scrum 5 but now you know people are downloading your voice every week and hearing different side to you yeah probably I mean I've always been like that you know you, you can't obviously get that across when you're when you're playing rugby so yeah you know there's probably people that you know will listen to podcasts and come up and see me and think they know me um, but that's what you're trying to get across you're trying to get your own personality across um, I've been sculpted a lot, I'd say, by The Office, by Alan Partridge, Bottom, the uh, the young ones, all these, all these series, all these comedy series, you know. So I quote a lot of things from that, but you know that's what I was brought up on. That's my humour. Because that comes across on your Twitter as well. Um, there was there was one brilliant sort of uh, David Brent quote the other day I can't remember what it was it was um, oh. was it Jamie Jamie Roberts and yeah uh, that was it yeah. yeah bringing his own guitar from home you know you yeah even, he, went, he went home to get it <laughs> you even you even tried to catch me out on Twitter on the weekend you know misspelling pedantic but I didn't I didn't bite on that one no exactly you see um and if there's any misspellings, it's always um, it's always on purpose. Okay, I've I've been around the block enough times to recognise what you're trying to do there. <laughs> it's not your first rodeo, is it? <laughs> Absolutely not. But yeah, that's that's the thing. Isn't it? Your sense of humour is really coming through now with the podcast and and with Twitter. You know, what's um what's Flats is a sense of humour like? You can it's probably quite similar, is it? Yeah, it is very similar. Um, just says punchy a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's funny, yeah. That's what he says a lot. Um, no, he he's incredibly sharp. 
Um, you know, you just get him off on a tangent and he's gone. And, you know, every every week we do it, it always makes me laugh somehow because he is so sharp and so quick-witted. But that's his role, really. That's his job. He's, uh, I'd say he's probably a professional MC, which does, he does a lot of media on the side as well. So, you know, he keeps things going. His job is to make people laugh live um, at events. And, uh, you know, you look at him sometimes and, you know, he's very, very edu- uh, bright, highly educated and uses words that I've never, ever heard of. I just I just go along with it and pretend I know. But, you know, we, and that's why it works. You know, we are very similar in, in our humour. Uh, we always have been from, from when I first met him when I was 18, 19 years old. So, you know, it, it, it is quite natural you know the relationship we have we don't have to force it or don't, we don't have to pretend to like each other it just flows oh, that's, that's where our podcast falls down here is I have to pretend to like everyone else and they hate you oh you wouldn't believe it mate they- <laughs> <laughs> they're the ones, oh, they're the ones leaving the reviews <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I actually disagree with them I think you're alright mate honestly <laughs> I think you're alright <laughs> um, we had Sam Warburton came on the other week and he, he, he's there like his first thing he said was Ben you've got a great podcast voice um, which you know that's like seal of approval yeah from the man no, himself yeah I listen to it it's very good uh, um, I, very good but you know he's uh, he's such a diva though isn't he oh. Sam Warburton you know comes across so nice on camera but behind the scenes oh my god you, like, how much red carpet have you got to lay down in the media Wales offices mate it's, it's unreal isn't it you know he wants limos the lot um, oh. Coke Zero won't drink anything else <laughs> No, 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 no blue skittles. Mostly joking. Uh, probably the nicest guy I've ever met. Yeah, I made the mistake of asking him if he'd seen Toast of London, and it was just like the blankest stare I've ever had. The what of London? Sorry, the Toast, Toast of London. Toast of London. You ever seen that on Channel Four? Nope. It's. I think you'd like it. It's it's similar to sort of part. It, do you know Matt Berry from the IT Crowd? Yeah. He, it's basically it's he stars in it, and it's sort of like this voiceover actor who's just like really theatrical it's just it's hilarious um it, it, yeah it's it's for people who like partridge and like the office all that i think you'd love it yeah oh um, good i like i need i need something new for the flight <laughs> over to tokyo so there you go i'll maybe try that pretty sure it's on netflix yeah but going back to the going back to the podcast like obviously yours was the sort of first podcast or, or one of the first that sort of led the way in it sort of being a rugby podcast that didn't necessarily talk first and foremost about rugby and now we've seen sort of an influx of them to the point where the market's almost mm. saturated isn't it but I suppose the fact that you were sort of on the ground floor in that regards it is a massive boost isn't it yeah there's different podcasts with different needs um a bit of brand there but um <clears throat> I didn't mean to say that then but there are um you look at what you know when we first started the podcast off there, there was only a couple I think blood and mud um, I think it was one, the rugby podcast. Um, so there weren't that many. And, you know, now I think we start off around the same time as the rugby pod um, with Andy Goon and Jim Hamilton. And it, it's different, you know, we're, we're a little bit different to them. You know, we've, we're obviously not, don't take ourselves too seriously, nor do they. They're, they're probably in with the more of the lads, 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 tops off, <laughs> neck in pints. Buffalo and all that. That sort of stuff, being quite disgraceful and, and using... <laughs> Um, some indifferent language whilst you know now we try not to swear um, you know in our in our podcasts even though when you swear it instantly makes something sound better but I think 
you know, we possibly appeal more corporately than to people because we're trying to treat this as a business. So, you know, if you're if you're a company and you're looking for advertising or you're looking to to use the services of myself and Flash, you know, it, it probably looks better and sounds better if we're using appropriate language. So there, there's loads of podcasts out there. You know, you look at the the BBC one with Ugo and Chris Jones, you know, that's that's very much rugby orientated if you want to listen to rugby whilst you know, ours is, is a bit of a mixture. It's a bit of what we've been up to. Um, I was, I'm normally trying to stitch flats up with some sort of joke. Um, trying, I'm trying to lure him in first to make it sound like I'm serious and then hit him with a punchline. Uh, and just, you know, our lives really. And, and then we hit a little bit of rugby. So we, um, we try and balance that out as best we can. I suppose you're seeing the rewards in terms of, I don't know how much you look at iTunes charts and things like that, but you know, Flats and Shanks is always pretty consistently up there. The Rugby World Cup one is up there right now. I think it's only, it's only like it's like IRB rankings with the podcast it, chart. It, we we only pay attention when we're top. I mean, our podcast went from like nowhere to fifth after the Warburton one, and now it's like back down to fiftieth. So like, there was a point where we were ahead of every other rugby podcast. So I think we just pretty much just retired the podcast. Then I think I don't I don't even know why I'm, I'm still recording them. So if I if we get to if you get to fourth with me on here, then you're better than Sam Warburton. Be- I'm better than Sam Warburton. Yeah. yeah, it's done. Well, unofficial, I am, but yeah, it'd be nice <laughs> to just see it officially. All right, fine. That's the way it goes. Yeah, yeah. Still, still down to earth, you know. Yeah, no, I'm still Jenny from the block. Used to have a little, now I've got a lot. Always said that. Uh, we should probably touch on the Pro 14 as well because that is some punditry work that you do uh, working for Premier Sports on their exclusive coverage of the Pro 14. Um, yeah. We had the first weekend under our belts last weekend. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's a good good to get the domestic season underway, isn't it? Yes, it is. Um, it's a big season. It's a big season for all the clubs because of all of the players that they're missing. Um you know, it's a good opportunity for youngsters, or for players with a little bit less experience, or for academy players to try and make that transition from um, from what they've been playing to top-flight rugby, which the, the Guinness Pro 14 is. So it's going to be an interesting season. Um, some teams will struggle more than the others. I think the Italian teams will, will struggle a lot heavily and a lot more than sort of the well-equipped and top-tier um, provinces or regions in the Pro 14 but it's exciting um, the season's underway it was a good start to the season there were plenty of tries um, and, a, and a bit of a, a mixed bag I'd say for the four Welsh regions because that's it you know it was a mixed bag and it's it's an interesting season isn't it for, for all of them um, obviously these World Cup seasons always are Connacht won I think the last time it was a World Cup season which shows you sort yeah. of what can happen but you think the Dragons have got a new coach Scarlet's have got a new coach uh, this is the Ospreys' first time back in the Champions Cup under Alan Clark, and then you know Mulvers at uh, the Blues. It's a big season for him, sort of. So they've they've all got loads riding on this season. What, what are we expecting to happen? Um, well, I looked at the Ospreys team um, on the weekend, and I, I was covering it for uh, Premier Sport. It looked a strong team. It really did look a strong team. Um, but you know they lost they lost a couple of boys to serious injury. Uh, Corey Allen's knee didn't look good at all. Um, James King went off injured. Uh, Dan Evans hurt his shoulder. Luke Price, who's the number one ten for them at the moment, um, goes off injured with an HIA. So, 
I look at the Ospreys and their team is is definitely strong, um, but I think a lot of the change around in the in the forwards and the back line really didn't help them against Ulster. Um, the Dragons, we don't know. They can't really get much worse at the moment, and I don't I don't mean that disrespectfully, but you know they they sort of finished down the bottom end of the um, of the table for the, you know they have done for a while now I think it's really good Dean Ryan's come in uh, a really tough start for them so when I say you know it can't go much worse you know I'll, I think what I mean is we're going to see a, a big improvement in them because it wasn't great for them last season um, they need their stars back um, they need Aaron Wainwright Elliot D back as, as soon as possible and, and need them fit uh, but I think that the plan with Dean Ryan isn't just a, a short term fix it's he's looking at long term he's looking at academies bringing players through bringing the quality through so in three four years time we're going to see a new crop of players coming through the Dragons Academy and uh, with the skill set and the ability to, to play at the top level um, Scarlets they've been hit heavily haven't they by international call-ups yet had a really good start to the season um you know players like dan jones have got quite a bit more experience at the moment kieran hardy looks exactly like at the mold of gareth davis um so you know johnny mcnichol isn't on international duty he's wonderful to watch one of the best players in that league by a mile so uh, and it was a it's quite an assured performance I thought um, the Scarlets against Connacht quite a mature performance played to the conditions really well uh, and it, you know it's it's good sometimes they didn't have the great season last year um, 2017 they hit the heights uh, and won the league uh, but Bram Moore's come in and from what you, you sort of hear on the outside um, you know it's they're enjoying having a new voice um, you know a couple of new ideas and that's sometimes all you need you know, a new voice, um, a couple of little things tinkered maybe here and there. And obviously, he wouldn't have seen many of the Scots players. They're all out to impress him. They all want to get, they all want to be a first team starter, even when the main, uh, when your main bulk of players are back. So I think it'll be a really competitive environment. And with the Blues at the weekend, uh, you know, it was, it's a shame that only one team are in the Champions Cup because I think the the four Welsh regions are better than that. I think we, we, we need to be there. You need to be playing top flight European rugby against some of Europe's most elite. Fans want to see that. Fans want to come and watch Europe's best fight it out, especially, you know, on, on home turf. But it was a well ground out win in the end for the Blues because at one stage they looked like losing that game. But to be fair, they came back and uh, especially after last season when they had such a horrific start you know to come back and win 31-27 is promising and it just makes that whole trip enjoyable because they go out to South Africa they do all these things you know they you see on social media they're going fishing you know they're there's safaris, there's loads of different things these guys are doing you think right that's that's part of rugby enjoying yourself just make sure you win at the weekend and they did so it was a a good start for them they'll be pleased with that so then I suppose put your neck on the line a little bit how, how are we predicting what, what are your predictions then for each of the four regions in, the, in this season um, with the, in the full season um, with yeah. players back um, I don't it's a different it's hard to predict this year because you know players are away for a long time I think I think we might see a little bit more of the same from the Dragons they might get the odd victory but you know with I suppose a little bit of morale what they're used to you know they're used to not winning that many games I think 
they might find it tough this year. I hope they don't because I hope because uh, I think they've got a great man at the helm um, to to guide them through. Um, Blues, I think we'll see an improvement. I think we'll see an improvement from the Blues and Scarlets and the and the Ospreys this year. I hope we get to see them uh, automatically qualify for Europe. And you know, if you qualify for Europe, you're near enough in the playoffs as well. So um, I think we'll see an improvement in all three. I'm not saying they're going to win it, but you want to see automatic qualification for the the Champions Cup and also try and get within a sniff of the playoffs because it's cup final rugby then and you know it's anything can happen Uh, and then Wales in the World Cup what do we think is going to happen there I think I hope they're going to get through to the final I don't want to jinx by saying anything else but I think this game was so big for Wales um, for confidence for morale which is just invaluable I think beating Australia will send them through to a final and then we just cross our fingers don't we and then final prediction where's this one going to end up in the iTunes chart uh, what well, we reckon this one's going to re- reach fourth don't we yeah, um, let's go for that because I'm such a personality um, you know everyone's heard from Sam Warburton haven't they you know he's he's got books out he's got bread out he did about he's six other, lot. He, yeah he did about six other podcasts after us I felt a bit sort of I felt dirty. used I felt dirty. You, I felt used. used yeah yeah he's like that isn't he probably didn't even call you after either did he <laughs> just just ghosted you um, just left a note you're probably sending a text aren't you you alright still was it okay was I any good um, yeah so I'll be sending the same to yeah. you mate. I'll be sending the same to you no I mate I'm, I'm am I as good as right. flats <laughs> I'm a little bit psycho I won't leave you alone now that's, that's the question am I as good as flats um you've got a better voice and um, you allow me to speak a bit more as well which is great because sometimes I go for 10 minutes listening and he's still talking still just a lack of barber jackets isn't it letting me down probably yeah I'd like to know yeah, what you're wearing if it's tweed and <laughs> it took a, it took a very weird turn there um, tweed and boat shoes you're in I can't, I can't remember the last time a man asked me what I was wearing on a phone but um, it probably wasn't on a podcast yeah, you wouldn't tell me anyway. Probably nothing. That's what you like. <laughs> I think on that note, we'll uh, we'll leave it for today's podcast. Uh, Tom, cheers for being on it. No worries. Thank you. And uh, enjoy Japan, mate. Yeah, let's just hope we get up to fourth, yeah?